This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Paul tells us in his writings, he shows us that there were certain responses or ways that people responded to his preaching. He starts in verse 1, after having talked about being made righteous by the blood of Jesus and reigning in life through his righteousness. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Now, folks, that would not be a question if it wasn't an accusation that was made against Paul's preaching. The reason Paul asked the question is because he says, I know that this absolute righteousness that I'm preaching through belief, through faith in Jesus as the risen Savior, I know what people will do with that. I know some will say, well, since it doesn't matter, let's just do whatever our flesh wants to do and be okay with God. If that was not the case, why is he asking the question? If that's not a logical conclusion that some, for their own purposes, would, would draw, why does he ask the question? There's got to be a reason that the Holy Ghost drew him into this line of thinking. So <clears throat> it might do us good to say it this way. The Holy Ghost is asking the church, so what do you think you should do? Live in sin because you're righteous and not care about sinful acts? What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. God forbid. Now, what is God forbidding? Paul uses the phrase, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer, live any longer therein? <clears throat> the phrase that he asks, or the question, he, how he says this, God forbid. What is God forbidding? God would forbid the attitude that since we're made righteous, we can do whatever we want to do. God's forbidding that attitude. He's not forbidding the sin that we stumble into. He's not forbidding that which we fall into when we yield to the influence of the devil, <clears throat> Paul's going to explain in the next chapter his own struggle with these things. How that from his spirit, he wants to do the right thing, but his heart, I mean, but his body is leading him to do something else. He doesn't say, those that continue in sin, those that continually fall into sin, just wait your time. Sooner or later, You'll do enough to where you'll lose your salvation. He didn't say that. <clears throat> He's saying that God forbids the attitude that my personal sin doesn't matter. Well, if your personal sin matters, <clears throat> and if it's supposed to matter to us, why? We've already been made righteous. We're not going to lose that salvation. We're not going to lose that righteousness. So why should we care? Because God left us here on the earth, as Jesus said, to occupy until he comes. And the best place for you and me to occupy is in our own lives. Let's keep reading. Verse 3, know ye not that so many of us as, as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? He's not talking about water baptism. He's talking about the new birth. When you're born again, you're baptized into Christ. Water baptism has nothing to do with that. Water baptism is just the picture, the outward show or example of what we experience when we make Jesus the Lord of our lives. The lowering into the water is the death of the old man. 
The coming up out of the water is this type of the resurrection of the new man, the new creation in Christ Jesus. Folks, water doesn't save you. The lack of water doesn't save you or keep you from being saved. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. The baptism that he's talking about is not water baptism. Now, water baptism is a good thing. It's an opportunity for us to make a public declaration that Jesus is Lord of our lives. But that's all it is. It's just a sign. It's an outward show of what has already happened inside. So he says, know ye not? Don't you know this? Don't you understand this? That as many of us as were baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death. In other words, he's saying this. Don't you know you're dead? Dead to what? Verse 4. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now, notice he's changing his words to walking. He's not talking about who we are now. He's talking about what we do. Shouldn't we walk in this newness of life? For if, since, we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, when he died, you died, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. When he was raised, you were raised. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. That the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve sin. And when he talks about the body of sin being destroyed, he's talking about the condemnation, the sentence that was passed on the sin in the flesh that you and I account as unrighteous acts. He's saying that body of sin has been destroyed. Now again, Paul is recounting things and relating things in a personal and experiential way. Because he tells us in chapter 7, he has the same trouble with his body that everybody else has with theirs. But he comes to the realization of victory. He comes to the understanding that there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. He comes to the realization that the acts of the body is not the who, you, is not the who your spirit has been made. And that's a huge distinction, folks. Huge. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth, from this point forward, we should not serve sin. Notice that phrase, serving sin. What, do, what happens when you and I stumble and fall into sin? We served it. We didn't become it. Doesn't change our nature. We don't lose our righteous nature before God or our right to stand before God's throne. It's simply serving sin. Paul goes on to say, 4, verse 7, For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead, since we are dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death has no more dominion over him. When Jesus was raised, sin was defeated. Sin, literally spiritual death, was defeated. And therefore, sin had no more dominion over Jesus. Yeah, but Pastor Mike, that was Jesus. Well, was it? 
For in that, verse 10, for in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he lives, he lives unto God. Likewise, likewise. In other words, he's making a parallel between us and Jesus. So we can't use the excuse that it was just Jesus. Likewise, he says, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Paul is saying that you've got the same resurrection as Jesus. You had the same death as Jesus. Jesus died unto sin, you died with him. What that means is he died in your place. So it was just the same as if you died yourself. And then when Jesus was raised from the dead, from spiritual death, quickened by the Holy Ghost, born again, made alive in spirit, as the scripture says, so were you. Now, is there anybody that can imagine in any sense whatsoever Jesus succumbing, yielding, or being overcome by the temptation to sin? It's unthinkable. Why? Because of who he was made, because of who he was made to be at the resurrection. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Jesus said the kingdom of God is as a man speaking the word of God into his heart. You exercising your authority in the name of Jesus by whom you have access into the kingdom of heaven to say that for you, you are free from the influence of sickness and disease. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Granted, Jesus doesn't have a body that has an experience with sin, and you and me do, you and I do. But as far as God is concerned, you are just as free from sin as Jesus is. And that's why there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. There's nothing for us to attain. There's nothing for us to grow into when it comes to righteousness. You are just as free from sin now as Jesus is. Over the years, on dozens of occasions, people have come up to me and they've told me about things that they're struggling with. I'm talking about addictions. I'm talking about being slave, a slave to their own anger, drugs, alcohol, and so forth. And I've seen this work over and over and over again. 
I've seen people get free through living by faith. The just, the righteous, those who have been made righteous shall live by faith. Folks, the Bible doesn't say that we shall use our faith. It says we shall live by faith. Big difference. A lot of people want to use their faith like a spare tire on the car. Just get me over this problem, get me over this hump, get me to where I need to go, and then I'll go back to how things were before then. But faith is the means whereby we are to live. That means that we should be employing God's word and our belief in God's word in every situation we encounter. I've seen this work dozens of times. Where when somebody starts saying, starts understanding and begins to say that they're not held in bondage to whatever it is. When people come up to me and they say, Pastor Mike, I need your help. Would you pray for me? I'm addicted to cigarettes or alcohol or whatever. I'll always tell them the same thing. There are two kinds of people. There are people who smoke and people who don't smoke. There are people that use drugs and there are people that don't use drugs. There are people that curse and people that don't curse. There's only two kinds of people when it comes to any and every issue of life. People that do and people that don't. What makes the difference? The ones that don't recognize that the reason that they don't is not because of their behavior, not because they don't buy cigarettes or drugs or alcohol or whatever, but because they know that they, the man on the inside, the real him, has been made righteous by the blood of Jesus. Paul's whole thing, his whole argument, his whole conclusion through his personal journey and frustrations with doing things that his heart condemns him for, committing acts of sin, acts of unrighteousness in whatever area it might be, he came to the realization that that wasn't the real him. The real man on the inside resents the sin that his body commits. The real man on the inside serves God and is therefore not bound by any law or any rule. But that man on the inside can only conquer the man on the outside, the experience of sin in the flesh, through the revelation of who we've been made in Christ Jesus. So I've had people that have been smokers for 20 and 30 years. I've asked them, which one of the two kinds of people are you? Are you the kind of, the kind of person that smokes or the kind of person that doesn't smoke? Are you the kind of person that drinks or the kind of person that doesn't drink? Are you the kind of person that uses drugs or the kind of person that doesn't use drugs? And they always want to answer me according to the works of their flesh. Well, Pastor Mike, I don't want to, but I, I keep stumbling and falling over this. That's not what I asked. I asked, who are you? Not what do you do. Who are you? You're going to have to choose between one of those two. And they come to realize that the devil is trying to influence them to think that they are who they are based on the experience in their flesh. But that's what Paul comes to realize and says, that's not me. That's not me. The man on the inside hates that. The man on the inside resists that. The man on the inside doesn't want to yield. And that's why he was so frustrated with his own behavior. 
I'm talking about Paul. Because he said, who in the world can deliver me from the body of death, or literally this body of death? Well, if you live by faith, Jesus does. I've had people begin to say to themselves in their own private time, private lives, I've had people begin to say, I'm the kind of person that doesn't use drugs. Because of who I am in Christ, I don't use drugs, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't do whatever. Now, folks, if you think I'm trying to get you to stop drinking, that's not my problem. But this is not to try to get you to do or not to do something. What you do or what you don't do is none of my business. It's between you and God. But I do want you to understand the principle whereby you can walk in victory over anything and everything. And it all comes down to who has God made me to be, the real me, the man on the inside. Who has God made me to be? When you start saying, and and please understand, folks, in every area of life, not just when it comes to spiritual things, not when it comes to things about the Bible, in every area of life, you will always live up to or live down to whoever you confess yourself to be. So the devil's plan, therefore, is to get you to fall into sin, influence you to sin, and then condemn you as being the person who sins. And if you swallow that, you're hooked forever. I've had people come back to me dozens of times and say, Pastor Mike, what you said really started sinking in. I started saying that I didn't do this or I'm a person because I'm who I am in Christ. I'm not a smoker. I'm not a drinker. I'm not a drug taker or whatever the case might be. When they start saying that, then the chains of that temptation begin to loosen. And they come to the place where they've conquered it and they live in victory. Now, why does that work? Because you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What happens when that works? People lose their sense of condemnation and they're able to approach God freely and openly. Like the Bible says we should. Let us come boldly before the throne of grace. Let us come boldly. What keeps you from coming boldly? Now, we know that that's the way God wants it to be. We know that God did everything through Jesus, paying the price for spiritual death, so that you and I could come to him boldly. What keeps us out? Condemnation. Who we think ourselves to be that doesn't line up with who the Word says we are. Please notice verse 14 again. It says, for sin has no longer dominion over you. A couple of times the word shall is used by the translators, but that's a real poor translation. Romans 6, 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you. The word that's used there is seeing then. So it would better be translated as it was originally written in the the original text, the original Greek. It was written as a past tense action, not something that if you become good enough, then sin won't have dominion over you. A better translation, much better translation would be, for sin has not dominion over you. How do we know that's true? Because we were raised in Jesus' resurrection, and sin has no longer dominion over him. So we know it's got to be a past tense action, for sin has not dominion over you any longer. You are freed from sin. 
You have been freed from sin. You have been freed from sin. You're not going to be free from sin one day when you get spiritual enough and overcome your problems. You have been freed from sin. And when you get a hold of that, it may not make sense to you and may not be able to be proven by your natural life. But when you come to the realization that that is what has already happened, that that's how God sees things, that's how God has decreed things, then you start seeing yourself as something more than the actions of your flesh. And that's when the chains of sin's power are in reality broken over your life. Sin has not dominion over you any longer. That's already finished. That's already done. Now what you do with that's up to you. I would encourage you in every means possible to make that your goal in your physical life. Paul seemed to. And I don't think it's coincidental that he tells the, the church at Rome, the one church, the only church that he told, which was the church at Rome, about his own personal struggles. Now, everything in the book of, uh, book of Romans, in my thinking, you judge this for yourself, but everything in the book of Romans, in my thinking, is what Paul would have taught had he been there. Which, if that's the case, then it would be stand to reason that it's what he taught in every church that he established in the other cities. And maybe he's not writing to the Colossians, the Philippians, or the Ephesians, or the Thessalonians about these issues because he's already covered them while he was there with them. That makes sense to me. But to the people he hasn't gone to, we see how he established the, the believers and the churches of that day. And he spends more time talking about being free from sin. He talks more about his own personal journey to come to that realization of who he is in Christ Jesus. He does more preaching and teaching about righteousness, the fact that we've been made righteous before God than anybody else. In that sense, the book of Romans may be the most important thing that we need to know. And it's all about who we've been made in Christ. Sin has not dominion over you any longer. Say that after me. Sin no longer has dominion over me. I've been freed from sin and been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The actions of my flesh do not change the fact that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You start saying that to yourself over again, over again, give it a month. may not take that long. But you give it a month, it'll change everything about your spiritual walk because it sinks in. Your spirit already knows it to be true. Your head doesn't. Your body fights it. But you start making the declarations like that. And in hardly any time at all, the thing that the devil used to trip you up in will be a thing of the past. There's two kinds of people, folks. There's people that know they're righteous, talking about believers. There are those believers who know they're righteous and stand in it, and those who don't. Which one are you? Which one are you? 
You are righteous by the grace of God. And that grace never changes. No matter what your flesh does. Your righteousness was obtained by faith. And the Bible says that now that you've been made righteous, you're considered the just, and we live by faith. Can you see that? That's why when these things begin to sink in, when we begin to live up to them, when it changes our expectations of ourselves, when it changes our understanding of how strong we are in the Lord, that's when it becomes fun to realize that the Bible told the truth, tells the truth, and has told the truth in things like 1 Peter 3, verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. Why was Jesus able to stand before Lazarus' tomb saying, Father, I thank you that you heard me, and I know you hear me always. I just said it for the sake of the ones that are here, ones that are listening. How could Jesus know that God always heard his prayers? he was righteous when Nicodemus came to Jesus in John chapter 3 and wanted to know how is it that you do these miracles we know God's with you but how is it that you do these things Jesus talking about being born again or being made righteous he said that's the key when we come to the understanding come to the realization that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus we're not righteous because of what we do or don't do we weren't made righteous because of what we did or didn't do we were made righteous by the blood of Jesus. When we understand that, we understand that God is pleased with us, that we are accepted in Christ. You're not accepted in Christ unless you do something wrong. You're accepted in Christ now. And God made the, the statement about being accepted in Christ concerning you before you ever thought about sinning. See, what we stumble in, what we yield to, the temptations that we yield to and the devil's influence we yield to, they're not a surprise to God. He knew it would happen. He knew it would be the way that it is. And he loves you enough anyway to make you part of it, part of his family. He loves you enough to make you the righteousness of God in him. We have the idea, and the devil certainly wants to push us in this regard, too many Christians have the idea that God is marking it for you or against you in every physical action that you undertake. And that's not true. Sins of the flesh don't even count before God. It's not to say that we shouldn't confess those. Not to say that we shouldn't ask for forgiveness for that unrighteous behavior. But it's imperative that we understand that unrighteous behavior does not change the righteous nature that you were made through the blood of Jesus. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he conferred authority over the devil to the church in his name. He said, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on the earth shall be loosed in heaven. Heaven backs us up when we use the authority that's in the name of Jesus. Take authority over the devil and over your circumstances today in the name of Jesus. Thanks for watching today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. He said, I will strengthen thee, I will help thee, and I will uphold you with the right hand 
of my righteousness. Yeah, but I feel so helpless. Well, he said it'd help you. Yeah, but I feel so weak. He said it'd strengthen you. Pastor Mike, I just don't feel like I'm going to make it. He said, I'll uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.